Hello, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 15th of December. Coming up in today's show, I have the first in what will hopefully be a, a long series of interviews with the best small business bloggers and business bloggers around what's commonly known as the blogosphere or the world to you and me. I've also got uh, a number of comments to catch up with following my my rather woeful pleas for uh, for you to send in some comments. There have been some some very interesting ones come interesting ones coming in, um, and so thank you all very much for that. And I've also got an update on um, some Christmas parties I've been to, uh, which I podcasted. There have been a, a couple a networking event and, of course, uh, a book launch, which I, I've been to in the last week. And uh, they're going to get Small Biz Pod into the Christmas spirit. There's a, very much a party feel about them. And some really unusual characters and entrepreneurs that I managed to grab words with. So uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the later in this show, but uh, keep your ear out for them over the Christmas period. So, moving on to uh, the first of the comments that came through on the Small Biz Pod uh, blog, and just to remind uh, regular listeners and and any new listeners that if you want to uh, send in some comments to, to Small Biz Pod, you can do it by sending me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk or you can post a comment on uh, the Small Biz Pod blog at www.smallbizpod.co.uk um, or you can even, as someone has done uh, this week, send in an audio comment and uh, I kind of um, gave a little plug to Waxmail and in fact the uh, the inventor of Waxmail, Jeremy Haig, um, has sent through quite a nice uh, audio comment uh, which demonstrates that it works um, and uh, yeah uh, always good to get audio comments uh, us podcasters are kind of addicted to them so if you've uh, if you've had a chance to uh, to look at my podcast how to or if you've had a chance to install waxmail and you have outlook or outlook express don't be shy do it is my advice um but anyway on to on to comments um the first comment uh, po- posted to the um small biz pod blog uh, was from Easton Ellsworth. Uh, and Easton says, sorry, I, I haven't visited your site before. Well, no need to apologize, Easton. Very many people haven't. Um, but I wanted to say on behalf of No More Media that we're very excited to see what your site has to offer. Uh, I might even blog about it. Um, looks very, looks like a very interesting resource and keep up the good work. And that's from Easton Ellsworth. So, so thanks very much for that, Easton. Um, hope you enjoy listening. Do, do spread the word. Um, and then uh, uh, two quite long posts from um, Paul. Now, Paul writes, um, I too have just stumbled across your site and I, I like the idea and I will be back. So it's always it's always good to have have listeners who uh, uh, who come back, basically. Um, and um, he goes on to say, for a small business site, I am, however, surprised to see interviews with the largest of companies like Microsoft. Uh, for a small business on a tight budget, Microsoft is the last supplier a small company should be thinking about. Rather than provide advertising for Microsoft, perhaps you should educate people on real alternatives to Microsoft, alternatives which are free, like open office or decentralized. Um, uh, and people working for large 
companies do not have a clue about what a small business really needs. Picking up the phone and asking a market research company to conduct some poll isn't going to make you any wiser either. Um, so says Paul. Um, and then I, I responded saying, yeah, actually, you know, some quite interesting points here. And uh, although I dispute that... Uh, I was kind of giving advertising to Microsoft. I think I asked some some quite difficult questions of Claire Barkley when she came on in terms of the the security and the why would anyone want to use um, Internet Explorer when they could use Firefox and as a small business and not have to to suffer all the the hacks and viruses and spyware that that gets aimed at Microsoft products. Um, and I also raised the issue of um, the, the kind of Microsoft products as bloatware. Now. Um, but it's interesting what, what Paul raises here. I think he makes a valid point uh, and that all too often small businesses do tend to go with brand names. After all, that's the, the, the power of the brand uh, and it's what the likes of Microsoft and others spend millions if not billions of pounds a year uh, promoting. They, they, it does influence people's buying decisions. You know, they, they go with what they know. They go with what they have worked with before if they're a new entrepreneur and, 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 and you know, who's previously used uh, such a product in in a corporate environment or, or in another job. Um, and, um, I mean, I'm not going to read Paul's second post out in detail, but it's there on the podcast blog because um, it's, it's quite long. Um, but he, he does prompt me into thinking that, that there's an interesting topic for discussion here, I think, in a future small biz pod about suppliers. Do you go for small business suppliers? Do you go for the big, reliable, trusted names? Can they be trusted, those big names? Are they actually not that good value for money? What are the alternatives? I mean, something like Skype, for example, can can provide a, you know, a real tangible benefit to the bottom line that British Telecom perhaps can't, but you know maybe many think well at least BT uh, you know accountable and Skype uh, you know who are they? It's a, basically a piece of software and you know although lots of people use it, what happens if I have problems? Uh, are there any sort of SLAs? Uh, you know there are various various um, issues that that you know any entrepreneur or small business person will would need to think about. But there's there's a lot to talk about, and I, I'd appreciate if anyone has any views about about that um, the buying decisions of small businesses. You know maybe maybe you've looked to to, to kit out your, your your office with the with a, a new email client or, or new computers. You know do you go to Dell or do you get them made by a, a smaller manufacturer locally? Uh, how does it work, and what do what, what what do you guys do out there? I'd be interested to hear your views on that. Um, so many thanks, Paul, for your uh, wasn't really criticism, but for, you know, for your thoughtful comments and, and challenging comments, and and I do think it has inspired me to look into providing or producing a show that, that that covers some of those topics that that you raise so uh, that's that's really really great and uh, always enjoy reading those uh, those types of comments that sort of add to the debate to the debate rather um you know i'm i'm delighted when somebody just says drops me a line and says yeah it's a really great show enjoy listening uh, but always nice to have um something to talk about uh, and potentially inspire a future show with too um uh, a comment sent to me by emails now that I uh, received. Uh, one is not not so much a comment on the show. It's it's from um, Gordon, who has <clears throat> the Broken Bulbs blog, and he's based in Taiwan. Um, and he just says, "I oh, was still listening to your show out here in Taiwan, and um, since you like electronic 
electronica and dance music, thought I'd send you a 50-minute mix I made. Now, it's more of a sort of personal email, but nevertheless, I um, just wanted to say thanks a lot, Gordon, because it really is uh, that mix. If you're into sort of a progressive, housey, trance-style uh, mix, it really is fantastic. Now, the, the it's not open for everybody, that, that but, you know, I just thought I'd say I'd say hi to Gordon because... As everybody knows, electronic is one of my passions, So, and I really, really enjoyed that. That's sticking on my uh, MP3 player for um, some considerable while, Gordon, because uh, I've listened to it frequently. Now, just to uh, demonstrate the, the global scope of, of podcasting, and I know it's not just Small Biz Pod, but many podcasts are listened to in, in uh, widely across the globe. Um, I had an email from, from George Hopkin who uh, writes, uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, and I'm currently trying to get some of my clients and would-be clients here in the UAE to get involved in podcasting. Now, the UAE is in the Middle East, Middle East, I think, just sort of at the bottom of the Gulf, as far as I remember. Um, he goes on, wondered if you'd be willing to share a bit of info regarding your small biz podcast, which I would then pass on to my clients. Well, and, and he asks, um, do you know how many listeners you have? How many journalists have chased you up for comments on the back of the podcast? And what other real-world quantifiable benefits have you seen firsthand from podcasting? Uh, if you can't share this info for professional reasons, uh, fair enough, but I hope you can help. All the best, George. Uh, well, thanks for that, George. And to, to be honest with you, I, I'm you know, perfectly happy to, to be very transparent on this and, and tell you as far as I'm able to, uh, or, or to give you answers as far as I'm able to. Um, in terms of do you know how many listeners you have, um, it's not always terribly easy to uh, absolutely ascertain your listener numbers. Um, you know, page views, page hits, downloads, um, feed burner statistics give you a kind of impression. And um, also there are some issues around um, the files, the, the audio files can sometimes be cached, as it were, be, be stored on local computers and then listened to by many others um, in a, on a network, for example. But um, in terms of downloads, which is a reasonably accurate reflection, I have for each show, although this doesn't happen necessarily during the week of release, but over a period of time, each show has, I suppose, between 1,500 and a couple of thousand listeners, which, uh, to, to be honest with you, I find astonishing. Um, and, it, you know, they're not huge numbers from a media perspective, but for, for a podcast, I, I, I'm, and for a small business podcast, I, I'm amazed that, that there are that many people out there listening and, and really, really privileged and feel sort of honoured that people people you know care enough to want to listen. So that's that's really great. Um, so those are the figures at the moment, um, and there is a sort of steady increase. And, and obviously, as word spreads, I hope uh, will be there'll be more and more um, listeners to the podcast joining us over time. Um, in terms of journalists chasing me up, um, uh, as some of you know, I'm in PR anyway, so I, I've been relatively active in getting my name out there but I have had quite a lot of journalists I mean there's a major newspaper in the UK called The Guardian who contacted me um, and various other local media um, some some trade press like New Media Age uh, which uh, is always a, an interesting read and yeah uh, I've had quite a lot of, of journalists interested and, and I think as podcasting becomes uh, you know moves from being a sort of geeky curiosity to, to more mainstream 
Uh, I think anyone who is podcasting stands a, a fair chance of being asked by their local journalists uh, to, to to fill them in on some background. So yeah, get your name out there and um, and uh, yeah, I think I think journalists, as long as you're sort of open and available, journalists will uh, and you, you know you can give a good quote. Journalists will come to you. So other real-world quantifiable benefits that I've seen firsthand. Um, it's been a wonderful way to make contact with people. Um, it's, it's kind of its own, little, its own little networking thing, really, which has been, uh, been really, really good fun. And I've, I've, I've uh, made contact with a lot of interesting people. Um, a quantifiable benefit for me was that I've been able to keep track and uh, sort of a pace with some of the small business issues and also talk to, to experts in the field who, whether they're entrepreneurs or, or, or others, who you know, are actually adding to, to, to my knowledge. So from a quantifiable point of view, yeah, there's a, there's a benefit there. Um, and certainly, as some, as you, as some of you know, I've, I've launched a, a podcasting production business and um, there are certain quantifiable benefits there in terms of contacts. Um, it's good for building credibility, which I guess is quantifiable up to a point. Um, it's good for generating feedback, for making contacts, um, and although they, you know, I've not used them necessarily directly, and and this podcast is primarily there as a, you know, a bit of fun for me to do, and hopefully a, an opportunity to build a really valuable resource for any anyone interested in entrepreneurship. I think it has, um, it, it, you know, there's definitely been some benefits. But um, George, if you if you want to talk further about it, yeah, by all means, um, Skype me. So thank you very much indeed for that. Now, as I said, I have one audio comment, and that is from Jeremy Haig, who is, I think, the founder or inventor of Waxmail. So let's hear what Jeremy has to say for himself. Hey, Alex. Uh, my name's Jeremy Haig. I'm one of the co-founders of Waxmail, speaking to you from Melbourne, Australia. Just tuned in to the show, um, uh, show number 18 of Small Biz Pod. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful and th that you mentioned uh, Waxmail and gave it such a, a nice, um, you know, in endorsement. Yeah, it's uh, really uh, taking off uh, uh, Waxmail. Um, I'm finding uh, more and more podcasts like yours that are mentioning uh, Waxmail as a way for uh, users to send uh, listeners to send in uh, audio comments. Um, so yeah, I'm getting out there now and uh, doing interviews and, and stuff like that uh, on, on Waxmail. Um, I'm a bit of an audio sort of podcast head uh, myself. Um, yeah, so keep up the good stuff, Alex, and uh, all the best uh, with the show. Okay, Alex, cheers. Well, thanks very much, Jeremy, for that. Um, I should say from from the outset that I've got absolutely no kind of sort of professional relationship there with with Waxmail. It's just one of those uh, little products, little plugins that for for podcasters kind of just opens a really nice door to allow people to to comment through through audio in, a, in an easy way if they've if they've got Outlook or Outlook Express. And uh, yeah, so it, it's I think it's a, a useful functional product. So. Uh, Enough of the plugging of Waxmail. Uh, go out and see what you think of it yourselves. And uh, if you disagree with me, uh, let me know.
Okay, well, in the first of what I hope will be a, a series of special editions of Small Biz Pod, I'll be interviewing uh, a number of the main small business bloggers or business bloggers out there across the globe. And the first blogger who uh, writes uh, regularly on buzz marketing is Ron McDaniel, and uh, his blog is called Buzzoodle. Um, Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, now... Uh, Clearly, buzz marketing is is somewhat of a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. But I guess for many small businesses in particular, the whole idea of um, buzz marketing or, or at the very least word of mouth marketing is actually an idea that's as, almost as old as the hills. That's how, that's how businesses, smaller businesses, generated business and generated custom uh, when they were you know, selling their products in markets, market, market towns or uh, for, for a very long time. That's, that's been... Uh, the the mainstay of of many small businesses uh marketing activity um what, is there anything new or different about the way buzz marketing is has evolved uh, of late well i think that it's it's becoming a little bit more of a science in the sense that people are really studying how to approach it and how to create it intentionally. But of course, the, the difficult thing there is the more organic and natural and uh on the spot it is, the, the more powerful the message is. So you're trying to create really a situation where somebody can go out and talk freely about you. And that scares a lot of people because basically you're saying, I don't control the message. I'm just going to encourage people to go out and create messages on their own. And uh, that's not comfortable for everyone, but it's definitely a trend where um, that people are seeing is getting incredible results. Yeah, and uh, of course, links very nicely back into the whole concept of blogging itself, which I guess is, in some ways, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, is is a very useful tool to create a buzz about your business. Absolutely. You talked about um, you know word of mouth being how a small business and a small community would uh, that would be their marketing plan, and now because of the internet, because of blogging, because of all these tools, it's a global uh, small village where we can all have great word of mouth everywhere. Yeah. Um, but how do you, you know, you, you talk about strategies and, and the science of, of creating a buzz. Um, in let's, let's look first, not, not the online world, but in terms of just generating um, discussion conversations about your business in the real world, for want of a better word, um, where do you start? Well, we're a little bit different from other buzz marketers. Other buzz marketers try to create one sensational thing that creates a lot of buzz. And our, our attitude is that's great if you can do it. Uh, it's mm -hmm. kind of hit and miss. But um, the surest way to create a, kind of a slow, growing, but steady and powerful buzz is to build an advocacy base. And we start with the employees, the customers that are, love a company, um, even extended family and friends if they want to be involved with, a, with an organization and say, Let's create a, a way that you understand what we're trying to achieve, what you understand yep. some of our success stories are, and we'll create a little game out of um, just getting you to talk about it anytime an, uh, an opportunity arises. Um, yep. So it's very natural, and at the same time, it's got a little bit of a structure to it, and it's got reporting and things with it, so you can see who's out there actually being your uh, buzz advocate, basically. Um, and obviously, that's you know, you, you've got to be you've got to be a business that's dedicated to uh, doing the very best for your clients. I mean, and as, as any as any successful business is, in order to achieve that kind of buzz. Uh, but I imagine that that 
businesses are going to have to look at going a step beyond just being good um, at what they do uh, in order to get that kind of recognition and get that kind of word of mouth thing going. Absolutely, you're right. Um, you can create buzz for a bad company for maybe a month. But it's going to come back and bite you in the end because people will say, oh, that sounds really cool. Then they'll go out, try it, and immediately start telling all their friends how they feel like you suckered them, basically. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. In the end, that's not a good thing to do. I would, yeah, get your ducks in a row and um, make sure you're giving the best service and attention to your customers possible. And then really start creating the stories and try to pull in new people that are excited about working with you. So, uh, if we then if we then take a look at the the, the online world, um, the blogosphere, I think, for many small businesses or, or blogging is is actually quite uh, particularly over here in Europe, where where you know we're we're perhaps in terms of business blogging some way behind, particularly strangely in the UK, where there are you, know, you can probably count the number of of genuine small businesses that are blogging on the the fingers of one hand, um, and there is a there is an apprehension, I think, about entering what seems like quite a, um, uh, sometimes a cliquey world, um, the blogging and, you know, the, the world of bloggers, there seems to be sort of little, little cliques and niches and, and uh, there's a whole etiquette around blogging that for many would seem like it's going to take them a long time to suss out. Have you got any advice for uh, for people out there who are small businesses who are actually thinking about starting a blog? Where where should they start? Should they should they start blogging? Well, I think everyone um, who can aff afford to spend fifteen minutes a day or so uh, should blog, whether it's personal or for their business. Um, our our blog is not necessarily trying to sell our business, but trying to sell me as the person running the business, and uh, just to uh, to build up your credibility. And uh, exposure, it's, it's a great tool that doesn't take a lot of time. And you don't have to go out and confront other bloggers and get caught up in political discussions and stuff. You, uh, my, my approach is just to try to think up something, some little tidbit that's very useful to help people grow their business every day. And it doesn't take that long, and it's really been very successful for me. Um, you and I wouldn't be talking if I didn't start doing that six months ago. No, absolutely. And I, I know that you, from a sort of practical point of view, as you say, you put out some quite practical tips. You, you, you're running a sort of a series of challenges related to buzz marketing for, you know, for anyone who fancies coming by your site, which I imagine is a good way of, of, of driving people to repeat visit your, your blog. Not only that, but with those challenges, and it, it ties very nicely in with the main bazoodle tool we have as well, is um, you if you're a salesperson and you're out selling your company already, the stuff I'm going to tell you, a lot of it you're already doing. A few things might be really, oh, I never thought of that. But mm -hmm. but the key is to get the people that are not the salespeople in your organization to start thinking that way as well and doing those things. So I encourage people in that in those posts to to say, you know, read this and do it, but also try to get your colleagues to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just in terms of sort of a little bit of personal stuff about about your business, which is Buzzoodle itself. Um, when did you set up? Um, when did you start blogging? Um, how did it all come about? Buzzoodle was an accident. We have another company that does internet marketing in that, um, and have had that for about six and a half years. What happened though is I was frustrated because I had a lot of very technical and great employees uh, working for mm -hmm. me, but they weren't 
marketing oriented. They weren't going out and talking about us. And it just was a growing frustration of mine that I was the only salesperson. And, uh, we re really weren't getting any leads. And I felt like if nothing else, talk about us, create some exposure. I'm not expecting you to close sales. So yeah. I think it was, I think it was, uh, February or March that it just hit me one night in bed. I didn't sleep the whole night. Next morning, I had the business plan done, the little Beehive logo designed, the name picked out, everything. And we repositioned people to make that happen and um, just threw ourselves into an industry we really didn't, at the time, necessarily understand completely. But it's been a great yeah. learning experience and a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I started blogging because I kind of wanted to document before before the release. But I didn't do it very actively. I only made three or four posts. Yeah. But then after the release, I realized the true value. Here I am selling buzz. I better be looking at all the different buzz avenues um, for myself as well. And uh, you know, not, if you'd have asked me nine months ago, I hated blogs. I thought they were diaries and, and not yeah. that interesting, but I'm a, a big convert now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so are you, presumably you're now not the only salesperson in your business. Have they all, has everybody uh, adopted the, the ethos? They have, to different extents, and we always tell people there's sort of an 80-20 rule. Still, 20% of the people in your organization are probably going to create 80% of the buzz. Yeah. Uh, my partner and I create a lot more buzz. Um, our office manager, though, has gone out and actually set up some great partnerships and stuff that we would have never expected her to do, but she really just bought into the whole thing. And then the, the people that are more tech-savvy do more on, online, where, where it's more comfortable for them and they're out doing things anyways. I just make yep. sure that if they're going to post a code snidbit and help somebody out, make sure you refer that it comes from us, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which nicely leads me on to, I think, one of the most interesting and potentially beneficial strategies for, for any business, and, and that is um, doing something for other people beyond what they would expect and not necessarily as, as part of a business transaction. Uh, how valuable do you see that kind of altruistic uh, reputation building. I, I think it's the most critical thing you can do. The only bad thing, of course, with that is if you're cash strapped, it's not going to lead to quick sales. So no. to a certain extent, you do have to say, I need to close a certain number of sales this month. But a decent amount of your time should really just go into focusing on helping other people succeed and, um, and uh, not trying to sell them something. And as odd as that sounds, people start feeling in debt to you when you've helped them be successful and haven't asked for anything back. So immediately, if they're not necessarily going to buy your product, they, their, their mind immediately starts jumping to, well, I need to help this person. They've been so valuable to me. I need to give something back. So who do I know that might want to use their service? Mm. And uh, we found yeah. that to be very, you know, not a, not necessarily always a fast growth approach, but over time, that really builds up to a critical mass where, um, for example, with us, we're getting more leads than we can handle. We're hiring very actively. And if you'd have asked me nine months ago if we'd have been in this position, I wouldn't have thought we would have been. Yeah, yeah. So uh, your own medicine has uh, worked well on, on your own business, as it were. It better, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I shouldn't be out there telling people <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. You're a, you're a, good, you're, you're a good case study in, in, in your own business, which is, which is nice to hear. Yes. Um, in terms of just, just some general thoughts on on the world of small business blogs, um, which do you read regularly? Which would you recommend as as the ones that are, are going to be particularly useful for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world? 
Sure, that depends on if you're looking more from the areas of marketing. I really like Seth Godin's blog. Um, yeah. Then uh, Anita Campbell's blogs are very good. Uh, small business trends. Um, I, and if you go to my blog, I've got a link of about 30 or so that I like and read regularly on the left. I'm actually opening something up here, I can tell you. I really like the book, uh, Never Eat Alone. I wish he would post a little more frequently to his blog. That's Keith Ferrazzi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of focused ones. Um, David Lorenzo's doing some new ones that are exciting. Um, there's one on email marketing, which is the guy's just really knows what he's talking about. Chris Baggett. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the the areas which is often seen as as closely associated with uh, with buzz marketing or word of mouth marketing is is viral marketing. Now. Um, is that something that realistically a a small business can can achieve, or or is that a, to me that sounds like quite a specialist um, internet-based um, marketing tactic? Is that is that something that you know you really need to get in an expert, or are there other ways that you can you can achieve that kind of viral effect? In some ways, I think it's almost easier to achieve it by accident. Um, really, we're Everything we're talking about is word-of-mouth marketing. Buzz marketing is word-of-mouth marketing where you've done some things to turn up the volume. And yeah. uh, viral marketing is where you just get it to spread much faster on its own. Um, the thing about viral, uh, some of the great examples of viral marketing that I've seen is like a band that uh, was practicing their dance steps in the backyard. And uh, one of their friends videotaped it so they could see it again and again and kind of perfect their dance moves. That turned yeah. out being their best video. Somebody said, can I release that on the web? And they did. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. millions of hits later, they're hugely popular. Um, yeah. For that video, not for their, their polished uh, professional videos. So I think the authenticity of the message can make it go viral in, in something like that. Mm. Um, and you should always be looking for viral. Uh, when we go in and consult, we try, we try to say, how do we make this message go beyond one or two connections to, uh, uh, to spread? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say you have to bring in an expert, but it certainly helps that somebody thinks like that and understands what, what people are more likely to pass on to their friends. Yeah. Okay. Um, and does every business, does every business have a story that can that it can tell that is going to create a buzz. A few know. Uh, we've had a very large company over here that says we don't want noticed. We supply our parts to um, other manufacturers, and we want to keep as low a profile as possible. So it is possible that you know they have their partnerships in place, and uh, they don't want any buzz. Uh, for yeah. small businesses, though, it's hard to imagine a situation where you wouldn't want buzz. Um, the hard part is maybe like an insurance salesman and stuff. You know, they're, mm. they're kind of a commodity, and we've had people talk to us about it. And what I always stress with the, the people that are, maybe their product, there's a lot of people out there offering their product is make yourself buzzworthy then. Make you yeah. a person people want to do business with, and don't worry about the product. That just happens to be how you make your income, but you're a really cool person to know. Yeah. So in some cases, it's not always the business itself as much as it is um, uh, creating buzz about the person and what a great person they are to work with. And that is, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, because um, you know, I, 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 I'm, uh, I, I'm very keen on the idea of developing, you know, a personal brand. But um, again, uh, that's that's not necessarily going to be as easy as one might imagine for everybody, is it? It's not. But uh, you know, most people 
really don't take the initiative either to try. So the competition isn't as fierce as you might imagine, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just have to stick with it. It's not something you can do overnight. You have to understand what your message is going to be and what you're trying to achieve. Do you want to be the friendliest person that goes out and meets with people in their house when other business businesses like yours don't do it? Or do you want to, you know, in my case, I decided as soon as we decided we were going to solve this problem, I want to be a leading buzz expert. And as yeah. I'm in a little town in Ohio, that didn't sound like uh, <laughs> something that would be easy to achieve, but. Yeah. You know, through blogging and a whole variety of other things, we've been able to build up a reputation much faster than you would have thought. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, I think the secret here is actually f really focusing on your own personal strength. There's no, no, no point in pretending to be somebody else to, 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 to develop that personal brand. You've got to fo really sit down and think about, you know, what you really are good at and then kind of amplify that so that people notice it and talk about it. Right. That's absolutely true. Okay, um, Ron McDaniel from uh, Buzzoodle, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Now that just about brings me to the end of today's show. Uh, not enough time to talk about the, the party podcasts coming up. It's all good interviews with a range of entrepreneurs. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a teaser for you, but they'll be coming out over the next couple of weeks over the Christmas period. So I think there's a there's a lot to enjoy in those. Uh, and on to my music taste again, uh, my music choice rather. Again, it's an Electromancer track. It is quite possibly one of my favorite tracks I've, I've ever discovered. Uh, certainly very, very talented um, musicians indeed. The track is called Visiting Pictures and it's by a band called Japanese Seizure Robots. <laughs> <laughs> 